VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. They seem like you know ball the way you talk, so... <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting-greedy podcast here. I've seen you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Monday. January 2nd, 2023. Welcome to episode 600 of the podcast and episode one of the new year. Happy new year to all of you out there. Hope it was an incredible uh, New Year's Eve, an incredible New Year's Day. We got a very fun day of football to talk about here. Some wild playoff scenarios uh, playing out right before our eyes. Joining us to do all of that is the prop king himself. That is an actual real royal title that I must begrudgingly bestow to the great Andy Barnes. Andy, what's going on, buddy? H- how was your new year? Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be my next tattoo, I think. Um it was a, it was a good new year's. We're uh we're here in Florida with the extended family. We did like a like a like a murder mystery game on New Year's Eve. I was Ooh. not the killer, um but I was a suspected a killer. It was really fun. It was really it was really fun. Uh turns out I like that sort of thing. Yeah, that sounds fun. Uh that sounds pretty great. Um not the not the killer, but you are the 2022 prop king. Um, I mean, that for the for the uninitiated out there, I put up a tweet about a, I guess I probably could have explained this more because, uh, you know, I, I assume that everybody that follows uh, us on Twitter is just aware of every single piece of, of content uh, that we consume, <laughs> but or that we produce. Uh, Andy wins the prop challenge on Fantasy Football Live uh, and, and said on air while he's wearing his homemade, you know, uh, prop king shirt with his face in some absurd little position there uh you know that he's gonna be mailing one to tank and i so the next day i get a package uh, my wife is is leaving the house to go to, to go to a, an appointment or something and she goes oh you have a package uh, from andrew barron so i was like no <laughs> no i'm not a, no so brought it inside filmed a little video put it on twitter but anyways andy i did open it and i will be wearing the I, it's I will at such some a comfortable shirt out. right it's it's i know a, it's a, i it looks very, it looks very comfortable. So I will at some point find some sort of social outing to wear your face uh, all across town too. But uh, congratulations to you on on the Prop King stuff, I guess. Yeah, that was a blast. It was a little, it maybe it was a bit much sending uh, sending Tank a, a onesie for the for the newborn. That no, might have that been, was great. That might have been a little overreach. I was just my exuberance over winning this contest was so great. This is only the second time that I've won one of these fantasy football live contests i've been on the show for like you know a dozen years or something so feels like i probably should have taken home one or two more but um you know i I don't let opportunities to celebrate go by the wayside yeah as you said on twitter you should by no means allow andy barons to win some uh small (laughs) field uh (laughs) 
fantasy football based. The less relevant the contest, the less impressive the win, the more I'm going to gloat about it. So, yeah, you should definitely if you get in like a like a six person or three person contest with me, do not let me win. No, you can't let Andy win that. But we did let Andy win that. And we have to now deal with that uh, for a full, you know, off season, which is is a nightmare. But anyways, I'll find something to wear the shirt to and uh, which just actually I kind of hate that stuff because. As much as it's a funny shirt and it looks very comfortable, I, I don't like a lot of uh, questions directed my way. And then, you know, I have to talk to people who I don't know. I, it's kind of actually it actually sounds like kind of a nightmare, but I guess that's the nightmare that I've earned. And then uh, you have to tell them how you myself. lost to this goofball in a like a deeply involved, complicated contest. Yeah, it's basically it's a laundry day shirt. It's a really comfortable laundry day shirt. Yeah. Oh man, I'm just I'm I'm shaking in my, in my boots right now thinking about having to explain all of the things to all of the people. Anyway, we've explained <laughs> this scenario quite enough. We do have quite a lot of games to get to here and starting with 49ers 37, Raiders 34, an overtime victory in the backup quarterback bowl, Andy. Um oddly enough, I kind of want to start with the losing team here. Uh you know, there's a lot to say about the 49ers. Um there's a lot of victory laps to take if you're a Brandon Ayuk guy like myself, but Let's start with Jarrett Stidham. I mean, he was pretty impressive, way more impressive in this game than I possibly ever could have imagined, Andy. Yeah, um, pretty much a best case scenario for Stidham. Re- really fun game overall. Not a not like a clean game, right? Not like no, yeah. like it, it was close, but it was it wasn't exactly flawless. Um, but the stars all showed up. And this is this is as much as anyone could have possibly expected from Stidham. And even the you know, even the late interception was like uh, he had a dude getting thrown into him. Right. It wasn't entirely on him. Took full advantage of the best receiver in football. Right. That was that was good to see. We weren't veering away from Devontae Adams in this one. They kind of built the offense around their best players, which was awesome. When they do that, um, they can put up a big number. Right. Because Josh Jacobs is great and Adams is great. And and they they I mean, they took shots like it was it was really fun to see. I didn't I didn't think we'd get that from Stidham. I thought um, not only was San Francisco the obvious number one fantasy defense this week, but, um, you know, if I could have if I could have ranked them higher than one, I would have. And um, the Raiders really showed up like the the Raiders were great. They moved the ball. It was a it was a uh, like a like a start your studs victory here, right? Like if you if you had faith right. in Devontae Adams' ability to overcome any matchup and Josh Jacobs' ability to overcome any matchup, you're feeling pretty good. Like the guys that got you here um, actually came through against perhaps the league's best defense. I know, yeah. It, it is a huge victory for the start, uh, start your studs truthers. Um, a couple of things here. Yeah, Jared Stidham, second among all quarterbacks in yards per completion behind only Deshaun Watson. Uh, and I that was the thing, like, okay, if you want to imagine a scenario where Jared Stidham comes in here and, like, okay, he executes a couple safe throws, like Devontae Adams is getting open quickly, um, they've got some little cute screens or play action, stuff like that, because they have a good run game, I could have seen that. What I didn't expect was him coming in there um, and doing two things slinging it down the field like i said and playing really well on the move like that was the thing yeah. about Stidham too is i didn't i didn't know that i mean number one i didn't know a lot about jared Stidham. period other than he was a guy that had gotten pulled from games where he was placed in there because the patriots were blowing team <laughs> uh, blowing a team out and then they saw jared Stidham. they're like never mind let's put tom back in there okay that's about the only thing i knew about jared Stidham really coming into this game so certainly colored the way i talked about jared Stidham coming into this game but made a lot of plays on the move which i didn't really know was in his bag and to me, again, I don't know that – let me just say I don't think Jarrett Sidham is like the future of the Raiders quarterbacks. I, I, quarterback situation, I think that's uh, pretty obvious. However, 
I do think what it reminded us is that obviously Carr is not going to be the quarterback next year. That relationship has now been severed. They're going to go in another direction. But whoever does take over as the Raiders starting quarterback next year, this this is a pretty good little incubator to to be placed into because yeah of Devontae Adams Darren Waller I, Darren Waller's contract situation is a little interesting they could potentially move on from him but he's still a matchup nightmare this offense is set up for a quarterback to succeed that guy was not Derek Carr um and it was not uh it, obviously you know Jared Sidham took advantage of it but they still didn't win the game uh it's it's interesting that you point out that the the two leaders in yards per, per completion were were Watson and Stidham. Like I actually think Stidham did some of the heavy lifting to get there. I don't think Watson did any of the heavy lifting, right? Like all the all the big plays were, you know, receivers making plays on relatively yeah, uh relatively easy throws. Yeah, yeah, but but Stidham like really worked for it. Um and and probably, you know, obviously secured himself I think a future as an NFL backup too, right? Like this is this is everything that you'd want from a backup quarterback and I don't think anybody's ever going to make him a starter necessarily, but um just a just a tremendous game from him again. I think probably like 99th percentile performance from him relative to expectations. Oh yeah, man. I mean, it was it was really exciting, um, and again, just th- reminds you that there's a there's some hope for the Raiders offense uh, next year. Anything on the 49ers here? I mean, obviously, I, g- I do got to talk about my guy Brandon Ayuk here. 26% yeah. first downs per route run. He was awesome in this game. Um, he's getting close to 1,000 yards on the season, uh, which is great to see. Just a reminder that he's been like a star all season long, great player. Um, and, and Brock Purdy, like, there were definitely some opportunities where – you know, left some stuff on the field uh, that drives kind of stalled out. You know, he's certainly the one interception he had uh, on the George Kittle target. That one's going to leave a scar if you if you had George Kittle because he could have easily just walked that thing into the end zone. Yep. But um, overall, they're they're not a second seed in the NFC at this point because of the Vikings uh, messing up on their end. Yeah, they've got a like they actually enter week 18 with a shot at the at the top seed. Um, I, I thought this was the first game where like. Purdy and again, still been very impressed with Brock Purdy. This is this is multiple touchdowns in five straight games, but this was like, and I, and I think we've been saying all along, you know, he's basically doing exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo would do in these games. You know, it's just been this this steady stream of two touchdowns, two hundred twenty yards, two hundred thirty yards. I feel like this past week you saw a couple of the throws that. Jimmy also would have missed, right? Like, because Jimmy doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't make yeah. every every challenging throw, and he doesn't make every downfield throw. Um, and I pretty missed a couple. Um, and the 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 one to Kittle was really, you know, obviously impactful in in many many fantasy leagues. Kittle still got one, um, but could have had another two touchdown game. Um, could have had a could have had a walk in. So that was a bit disappointing. But still, you're getting everything from Purdy that you could have possibly expected from Jimmy Garoppolo and. I wouldn't expect it to stop. This is an offense that gets Debo Samuel back, right? Like he returned to practice last week. So they're going to be, you know, by the time we actually get to the playoffs, it's going to be a, a fully operational Niners offense. Um, and, uh, you know, whether whether Garoppolo can make it back at any point is now pretty irrelevant because Purdy is doing exactly what he would. Yeah, uh, you know, Kyle, the whole time Kyle Shanahan's like not even really want to in- wanted to entertain the idea that Jimmy could come back or whatever. And I get it because... Like you said, Brock Purdy's doing a reasonable impression of Jimmy Garoppolo, and you like you yeah. mentioned he, he misses some of those downfield throws. Jimmy mostly doesn't even attempt those like downfield mm-hmm. throws, and and credit to Purdy, even if um 
they don't always look great. They don't always end up completed. Some of them can end in a bit a bit disastrous. <laughs> he at least makes tries to make those throws. So credit yeah. to him. Uh, yeah, the 49ers are uh, they're cruising, man. They're they should be set up pretty well as they enter here into the postseason. Let's move on to another game that had big postseason ramifications. Buccaneers 30, Panthers 24. I tried to manifest a Panthers uh, victory here, uh, <laughs> NFC South championship for the Carolina Panthers. It didn't work because, man, Mike Evans is all the way back, baby. 207 yards, three touchdowns. This was the game we had been waiting on for Mike Evans. It finally arrived here in Week 17. So I- I'm probably one of the few people that had Mike Evans going in uh, like an actual fantasy championship, right? I w- it It's still not settled because the guy I was playing with a mutual friend, Chris Harris, uh, was all- was starting Tom Brady. So he obviously had a big day as well. Um, but I was, was it the first drive of the game where they took that deep shot to Evans that hit him in the numbers? He had to come back for it a little bit, hit him in the numbers, and he dropped it. And you were like... Oh, man. Well, there's his one chance, you know, like that's what I was thinking in the moment, because every game he gets like one opportunity to make a deep downfield play and it either gets erased by a penalty or he drops it or it's a weird um, miscommunication between Brady and Evans. And he dropped that one. And I'm like, well, they played their one deep shot card and and now we're not going to see that. And then it just kept coming. Um, they had yeah, advantageous matchups on the outside and they took advantage of it. And some of the time it was just Evans running by a dude, you know, hand up. Um, and and that was great to see. Like this is could this not have been happening all year um, is is what you you had to wonder. Um, but it was it was outstanding. And this is again, this is what the offense should be. They got nothing out of the running game really i believe that both leonard fournette and rashad white were under three yards per carry not particularly impressive um they're perfectly capable receivers um but you know they attacked one-on-one matchups on the outside and evans just won repeatedly and it corrected his whole season right like now you're going to look at these numbers at the end of the year and you're going to be like oh yeah that was one of the best years of mike evans career well no it was one of the ugliest years of his career for like a dozen weeks in the middle um and then at the and then at the back end he he filled in all the stats but whatever i'll take it um it was great to see i was again i was shocked that they went back to it and went back to it repeatedly after the after the early drop yeah um I think this could have been happening all year. Obviously, you mentioned the matchups and the the advantages that Tampa Bay had uh, over Carolina's secondary, and those are certainly worth like starting the conversation with because the Panthers were so beat up at cornerback, and they placed you know J.C. Horn, who's had a great year for them on yeah. IR this morning. Um, they signed Josh Norman, you know, off the street. Josh Norman, who was like. A be, being a barista at the coffee shop he owned you know like that that's what josh norman was doing a couple of weeks ago you know and he's out there for this carolina defense and then the guys that played you know ahead of him were obviously far very far down the depth chart. i mean cj henderson bro come on some of those plays against mike evans give me a break um and th- that was also the injuries the corner forced them to play jeremy chin as their like primary slot corner and of course chris godwin obviously doesn't have the game that mike evans does but he also goes nine of nine for 120 yards like those all had something to do with themselves. However, what this could have been happening with Mike Evans all year because people ask, like, what's wrong with Mike Evans? I don't think there's ever anything been wrong with Mike Evans this year. He's definitely gotten – he's obviously m- missed a handful of plays. You know, he drops stuff like that. There's there, that, That's been a little bit of it. But And then when they take these shots, some of them have been called back from penalty. I get that. But, you know, I harped on Tom Brady's 1.88 time to throw against the Cardinals on Christmas, you know, 2.3 seconds over the course of the season. On, on the whole here – his time to throw was 2.36 uh, seconds. So it was still pretty fast. However, 
on two of the touchdowns, the first two touchdowns uh, to Mike Evans, 2.6 time to throw and 3.4 time to throw on those two touchdowns. Like sometimes you sit back there a little bit and you know, like I've, I can, I've got the guys that can beat this secondary and beat them yeah. bad. Those opportunities are there for Mike Evans. Those opportunities have been there for Mike Evans all year. It's not it's not too little too late for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It might be too little too late for a few fantasy teams out there. But it, just seeing that the Bucs can still do this, it definitely made me a little, um, I don't want to say nervous or, or made me a little more uh, conscious that that scenario that I painted out on the preview podcast where they're going to run through a couple of, uh, you know, you know, Detroit type team, Seattle, uh, you know, whatever, um, who even beat Dallas in the first round of the playoffs and, and advanced far into the postseason. Uh, just seeing them do this made me a little more nervous that that could happen. Yeah, I feel like the offense that we just saw on Sunday can beat can beat any team in the NFC. Um, you know, they, maybe the Eagles are a stretch, but I feel like they can beat any team in the NFC. I, I, I hope that they carry that identity into the playoffs. Um, man, 19 catches on 21 targets for Evans and, and Godwin. That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I will also say that there hasn't been there hasn't been a moment all season where I've thought that Brady was washed. Um, I no, have yeah. thought that the ball is coming out of his hand with like the usual zip. Um, so this sort of always felt like it was in play. They've had obviously a bunch of offensive line injuries throughout the year. Um, he, he had some time and took full advantage of the time in this last game. And that, that, that's just a huge deal. I, I guess if I have, if I have one fantasy gripe from this game, it is the Leonard Fournette negated touchdown, uh, the touchdown that they wiped out on replay review that I don't know how they determined he was not in, in the end zone that led to yeah. a Tom Brady, you know, short plunge that is keeping my matchup this week. Interesting. Um, I'm a little bit irritated by that. That's all. Just wanted that out there on the record. Um, also on the record, uh, speaking of Mike Evans, RIP to my mom's fantasy team. She did not play Mike Evans this week. Oh. And unfortunately, it's over. Uh, you know, we have I don't blame anybody who didn't play Mike Evans this week, by the way. Like, I know. Yeah, it's been yeah, you know. I, I get it. It is what it is. Uh, so she's but, but it's the exact scenario that we uh, we talked about, Andy. We didn't want her to win the championship, you know, because then it would have been a little too like. Hmm. Like now we we have full plausible deniability that I have any, you know anything to do with any of this. <laughs> um, Julie and Jess will be fighting it out for the week eighteen uh, Treviso Babes fantasy football championship. So we shall see what happens there. So um, shout out to the, to the Treviso Babes. They've given us a lot of fun, a lot of material all off season or all season. So I had to mention that. And uh, I don't know, Andy. We'll we'll see. You got you're right there in Florida. How how come you're not a uh, you're not down there doing like a you know hosting some kind of fantasy party for them? We'll, maybe we'll work out your appearance <laughs> fee uh, in the off season, and we'll we'll get you together with the babes. Yeah, I don't I don't do a group call like for free. There's gonna be there's gonna be yeah. an appearance fee. I'm the prop king for God's sakes. I can't just you know yeah. I gotta I gotta leverage that. That's a that's a fantastic point. You do have to leverage that. You maybe you can send like you know twelve uh, matching shirts to the. To, to, <laughs> yeah, to the, on the plus side, I can sell merch when I'm down there. Yeah, I feel like we haven't heard a lot of Julian Jess all year. So the, uh, is this like a Sleeper dark picks. horse matchup? Yeah, yeah. Number one seed Leslie went down this week as well. Uh, so yeah, these are these are a couple dark horse teams, and um, yeah. Shout out to them. So we'll see what happens. This is that's fantasy, man, and this is, that's a uh, yeah. that's what happens in the in the first. Uh, their first season playing fantasy, they're all experienced. Like, oh yeah, some goofball dark horse team can come in here and uh, <laughs> topple some topple some champs. That's just the way uh, the way it works. We should talk about the Carolina Panthers real quick. Their season's over, um, eliminated from playoff contention. Sling and Sam went down with 304 yards and three touchdowns. There was a couple like, oh boy, Sam Darnold moments in this game, um, which hadn't happened since Week 12 since he got reinserted yeah. in the lineup. But uh, you know that's okay. 
uh, he's not the future of this team at quarterback. But he did, I think he proved himself to be like a pretty capable backup quarterback in a good situation. And, I mean, DJ Moore, great game here, obviously probably for um, – you know, that was definitely maybe a little too too little too late. But it is funny that, like, what's he scored seven touchdowns now on the season with DJ Moore? And, like, if I told you, Andy, he was going to score seven touchdowns this year, you'd be like, oh, top ten receiver. And, uh, yep, yep. Unfortunately, wide receiver that's, 14, that's wide not receiver 12. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that journey has not been quite as smooth to get there. No, not at all. Great game from him. Um, I, you know, further reminder that if Deontay Foreman, uh, that if they don't get the right game script, that Foreman's not going to do a thing because they're not going to target him. Right. Like he, he, yeah. uh, he absolutely vanished in this one. Uh, it, it was pretty much all Darnold and, and DJ Moore. DJ Moore is so good. Uh, good to see, good to see him, uh, close at least the fantasy season with a 10 target game. He's my I have this like far off idea that there's a path for him to arrive in Chicago. I, I hope that can happen. Um, I'm sh- I'm shopping the whole league for receivers that might be available. And DJ Moore is near the top of my list. People have been trying. I feel like people have been trying to wish cast DJ Moore uh, on another team all year. It's it's like he's one of their best players. It's not I'm not happen. saying it would be helpful for DJ Moore either. I don't know that it's some big win. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I was going to say it's a, it's a win for me personally. Well, yeah, let's let, on that note, let's transition to Lions 41, Bears 10. I mean, Bears fans just got to be at a point where it's like, let's just like and just can we just end the season? Can we forfeit the last game or whatever? Because, I mean, this was such a, a beat down at one point. It's like, wow, Justin Fields is a hundred, 100 rushing yards, I think, in the first quarter ends the day yeah. with 132. But they have just like they have nothing going in the drop back pass game right now. It's tough to watch. We're all involved. Well, you know, one of the big problems there is after um, the early, you know, uh, the the usual Justin Fields sensational 50 plus yard run uh, at the at the end of like a 60 something yard run. He kind of he kind of pulled up and then trainers were working yeah. on him on the sideline. I think it may have been a hip issue. Um but it's a little bit murky. You know, Fields is getting checked for a concussion basically every week now, it seems. Um, he's taken a ton of hits. He's been sacked now 55 times. He's only attempted, I think he's attempted 318 passes. And he's been sacked 55 times. Like, make the math work on that, right? Like, a lot of that is him. A lot of it, of course, is an offensive line that just caves in immediately off the snap of the football fairly frequently, right? People are getting through all the time. Um, but that's just an utterly unacceptable number. It's amazing that he's made it to week 17. Almost almost every person I know in the Chicago media and everybody I follow on Twitter who was watching this game, everybody just wanted fields out. They couldn't protect him. Nobody's getting open downfield. Um, the, the game got out of hand, you know, certainly after the first half, right? Uh, first half ends with an interception where the Lions literally rush no one. You know, the Bears offensive line just sort of standing out in front of Justin Fields, not doing anything. Literally everyone on the field dropped back into coverage and uh, uh, ended with a Hutchinson interception. Anyway, like, it, like he just should have been benched after that because he was clearly hurting. Um, they didn't have a lot of designed runs for him after that. They just got nothing going offensively. If anybody thought that the return of Chase Claypool would do something, no, it did not. Um, that was that was utterly ineffective. My, like minorly interesting for this backfield is the fact that Khalil Herbert and, and David Montgomery basically split it. Neither one did much of, much of anything because the Bears weren't sustaining drives after their first couple of drives. The first couple of drives were nice. The first couple were like legitimate NFL offense. And then um, they just didn't sustain any drives and couldn't couldn't, uh, you know, keep the offense on the field. But it did end with David Montgomery having 28 snaps and Herbert 20 snaps. Um, Herbert only had five touches. But again, per his usual, like six yards per carry, he was great. Um, 
I would love to see him in something close to a full workload. It he he's terrible in pass protection. He's had some embarrassing moments in pass protection. So I don't know that we ever get there, right? Like you definitely need your running back to be able to pick up a blitzer if you're part of this Bears offense. So uh, that that is going to be a small concern. But I think Herbert, obviously, somebody that you're you're interested in 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 Dynasty. And the I mean, the Bears just like they have so many needs, and most everybody in Chicago is just really focused on like what their draft pick is going to be and whether they're going to trade down. And if they do trade down, what is what does the trade down look like? Because they have so many holes to fill. They need they need offensive linemen. They obviously need receiving weapons. Like they they have all the holes except for quarterback. Like they may have figured out the one big thing, and then but they need everything else. Justin Fields, a fourteen point seven percent sack rate this year is. It would lead the league in twenty eighteen. It would lead the league in twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, uh, twenty twenty one. His. Thir- yeah, I mean, by a lot, too. It's actually not even really that close. The only guy who's like close to him in terms of like leading the league in sack rate the last three or four years would be Justin Fields last year. His 13.4% sack rate uh, so far, like from 20, like 2018 to 2022 combined, he leads the league. He's the only guy that's like played a ton that's over 10%. It's, it's absurd. Yeah, one one thing that's probably a little bit on, I mean, more than a little bit on Justin himself and and certainly on the coaching is that there's there's never a moment where the ball just comes out immediately, right? Like there's no. there there never seems to be a moment where it's just like, you know, the ball hits his hands and then hot route, it's it's immediately out. Um where he's where he's obviously, you know, eliminated a couple of options pre-snap and decided where he wants to go and we just get 4 yards and move to the next play. Like that that never happens. And um, it's we're going to have to start seeing some of it like as he matures. Yeah, that's the thing is like I know that uh, the coaching staff has said that these are like valuable reps for him. And theoretically, it's like it should be valuable reps for him. But within the confines of this with his obviously with his own problems mixed in as well. But with the confines of like this drop back pass game with that offensive line and those receivers like that's it's not they're not valuable reps so i get why every bear yeah. fan would be like that's enough already um the team that won this game i guess we could talk about as well <laughs> lions 41 points uh detroit seattle and green bay i mean my god green bay we'll, we'll get there here in a second they're all alive for the nfc's seventh seed uh you know the lions have like a what 30 40 chance to make the playoffs but um i still like the way they're finishing the season obviously both running backs get off here uh which is good to see yeah, Detroit's offense can obviously put up a number. So I don't like to to listen to a, a lot of the national conversation right now. You'd, you'd sort of think that the Packers are already in. And obviously the Packers are coming off uh, probably their most impressive game of the season. Uh, everything worked, dominated the Vikings. Detroit's offense will put 30 on you, though. Like Detroit's offense yeah. is good. <laughs> you have to you have to stop those running backs. And that has been a that has been a major weakness for Green Bay all season long. Um, somebody's got to stop Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift and they played great. They played great in a very low degree of difficulty matchup against Chicago. Um, but they were, they were outstanding. Like the run was in play all day and the bears couldn't stop it. They're all of a sudden, like they're doing really fun things with their tight ends near the goal line. Right. Like I think it was, it might've been Brock, like Brock Wright's second touchdown catch on the day. Um, he really sold the block, right? Like he was, he was, he was blocking the shit out of somebody and ended up in the full scrum and then just busted out of it and, and, uh, uh, you know, caught a, caught a nice little ball from, uh, from Jared Goff looked really easy. Like they're, they're, everything's clicking. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown, I, 
could have scored in this game, didn't, but had a, you know, was certainly plenty effective. Um, They are a problem for the Packers. Like, I don't, you know, I, I, we're, we're discussing it, not, not necessarily you and I, but, but again, a lot of the national voices are discussing it as this, as if this is already Green Bay and what's Green Bay's first round matchup. But man, when things are going well for Detroit, particularly for that offense, they're, they're kind of a party. Yeah, so let's move right to to the Packers there. Um, it was definitely a, um, it was a great game. Great game from Green Bay. Obviously, they get a little bit of help from Kirk Cousins on a pick six there. Uh, we'll talk, let's save the Vikings here for just a second. Um, I, I just the Packers look. They've sort of become sort of become the team I thought they would be this year where their defense has taken a step over the last yeah. few weeks. Now, obviously some of the opponents that they faced, like they faced these bears that we just talked about. They faced the Baker Mayfield Rams um, to a, you know, with the was, should he even been in the game the second half? You know, obviously that whole discussion there, but the Viking, this type, this takedown of the Vikings and the Vikings are a flawed team uh, all on their own. Like I thought this would be a team where their past defense was really, really good. Their running game, with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon combined really good. And Aaron Rodgers made just enough plays. You know, it wasn't the focal point of the the team. I feel like they've kind of become that team. So I understand why the national conversation is, Oh wow. The Packers definitely look, you know, they look scary right now, or, or they could make a little run here because again, this team is certainly not, it's not as good as like the 13 and three operations we've seen previously, the 13 win operations we've seen under Matt LaFleur. But I think they've got a little bit of something going here, Andy. But to your point, the Lions could absolutely go, you know, go and, and put a number on, on these teams. However, the way the pass defense played against Minnesota, I think, was really encouraging. Yeah, I, I will say my point was more about the Lions than it was about, you know, I don't, you know, it oh, comes for, naturally yeah, totally to me to disrespect the Packers. So there's always a little bit of that. But, I was going to um, say there was a, there was a lot of um, let's call it generational trauma uh, in, in that little <laughs> yes, anti-Packers but, soliloquy you just had there. Yes. But we'll, we'll let it stand. That is that is absolutely fair. It, like it should go without saying that the Packers are playing extremely well right now, and this is the version of the Packers defense that was sort of promised to us, right? Um, what a what a sort of carnival ride season for Jair Alexander, by the way. Like he, it wasn't that long. It wasn't like a month and a half ago he was getting clowned by Traylon Burks, um, who he absolutely yes. could not stop. And then he's a big part of them locking up Justin Jefferson in this game. I thought they got real like. You know, I'm, again, I haven't I haven't rewatched this game with a with a complete focus on Jefferson, but it certainly seemed like he was picking himself up off the turf a fair amount, like he was getting rerouted a fair amount, like they were pretty physical with him. Um, yeah. And obviously we're we're helping against him. And it was as effective as anyone has been all season against Jefferson. Didn't help that, you know, the Vikings are now down. Are they down three linemen? Um, like they have some problems on the offensive line now. Like that, that is going to be an issue. That's a huge concern. Um, but, you know, bad game, bad game from Cousins, bad game for the line generally. Um, they now have, are, are they minus 19 in terms of point differential on the season, which is hilarious, which is what you would kind of expect from like a seven win team and an eight win team and not a team that, you know, had a shot at the number one seed going into the weekend. Um, so just to, they, they have a get right spot coming up against, uh, against the bears. I, I will say that. And, and I would trust that they would be able to get some things back on track. Christian Watson has to be, I know I'm bouncing all around between both teams here, but Christian Watson has to be a big concern. His health has to be a big concern going into week 18 in the playoffs because, um, that did not click. He saw five targets. 
Um, obviously hadn't practiced all week. So that's a, you know, you're, you're talking about a rookie who's missed a ton of time this season. Who's playing through something played, now. Honestly, I was. Yeah. Yeah. It, if, but they, I mean, they had no way of knowing exactly what version of Christian Watson they get because they didn't see him on the field all week. Um, I, I get him wanting to play. Uh, they, they obviously didn't, didn't need him to win this game, which was a total route. Um, but he's, he's obviously going to have to be healthier than that. If they're going to string together some wins in the postseason. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, if they're going to have a chance to like go into San Francisco, which is pretty hilarious that like there's a decent chance they end up going to San Francisco in the first yeah. round of the playoffs. And, you know, this is just like, well, we did all this conversation, uh, all these crazy things with these two teams, 49ers Packers. And here we are at the end of the year. Uh, well, just like we get every year, it's going to be 49ers and Packers <laughs> in the playoffs. Like. <laughs> Uh, but but putting that aside for a second, yeah, they're going to go to to San Francisco. They're going to beat that defense. Like they're going to need Christian Watson to make a couple hero plays uh, along with Aaron Rodgers, and and that's a great call out by you. Um, couple things on the on the Jefferson side of it. Number one, I feel like this is this was almost like a funhouse mirror version of the Vikings that we we <laughs> get every week, which is just like, hey, if um if if Justin it's like the offense is strange because the offense it's like not not as good as you'd think on paper because basically it's like well if Justin Jefferson doesn't do like hero stuff if Justin Jefferson doesn't take a game over the offense is not that good well obviously Justin Jefferson catches uh, what one pass here on five targets and um you talked about the Jair Alexander part of this and look Alexander was awesome in this game it, it was a but it was a great defensive game plan overall like I think that you know, when a receiver gets shut down, the first thing we want to look at it was it must have been like the one-on-one matchup of cornerback wide receiver. Well, usually, and we've seen this with Jefferson before, not to this extreme extent, but when the Lions had like Jeff Okuda play hard physical press coverage over Jefferson while also, you know, having a safety, like two eyes dedicated on basically every play. That's a lot of how this went too, where like Jerry Alexander, if they moved Jefferson into the slot, he'd follow him in there. He'd cover the outside leverage. They'd have the safety sit on like the in-breaking route. They were just basically like, hey, you know what's going to happen here? Justin Jefferson's not going to be the one that kills us in this game. Like Kirk Cousins, you're going to need to make um other, you know, other guys are going to have to step up. They just don't have a lot of other guys right now. As much as like the name brands are there, Hawkinson is a good player, didn't have his best game here, but you know, the, the other receivers don't really threaten people on a down-by-down down basis. And and for Kirk Cousins too, I think that people know this about Kirk that once you get pressure on him and if those routes are taking longer to develop, he's not going to sit there and like force hard throws. Cause it's like, okay, I get right. it. Kirk, the, the coverage on Jefferson is difficult. You know, you've got two guys dedicated to him. You're going to need to let, let those plays sit a little longer. If, if Alexander's just going to press the crap out of him at the snap, but you still can't leave a game where you lose 41 to 17 and throw the ball to, to Justin Jefferson five times. Like you need to try to make it work. And that's on the coaching staff too, to like, Get Jefferson some some screens like if they with the times where they do play off coverage, like make sure he's running a quick slant and get the ball in his hand. So it was just a it's a, all the concerns that you'd have about the Vikings. They all played out basically in this game. Yeah, the the box score, I will say, looked OK for Hawkinson, but he had he probably had three balls that I, I think he would expect himself to catch and that you would you would really need like, you know, in a high level game against a, a quality opponent like you've got to catch those um, targeted 12 times pulls in seven of them again like just left a bunch of yards out there and it's probably the it's probably the second time in the last three weeks he's done that he was spectacular last week right great for fantasy great in reality but this is this is not the first time that we've seen him leave some catches and some yards out on the field yeah I know that's actually kind of happened quite a lot uh, with the Vikings uh, ever since he moved there which is very strange but good game by the Packers 
they definitely they definitely have a chance to go into the postseason and maybe make a little bit of noise. Uh, I was very just big credit to the defense, which I didn't expect to turn it around like this, but has certainly turned it around. Um, they, they've had the talent to do it, but kind of question the coaching, all that type of stuff. So I don't know. The Packers will be interesting to talk about here uh, as we head into week 18 in a very, very big game against the Detroit Lions. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back. We'll finally talk about maybe some AFC teams here, I guess, right after this. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right. Patriots 23, Dolphins 21. It's unfortunate because, uh, you know, obviously the, the Tua concussion situation, um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater leaves in this game. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater feels like every time he gets in a game to start, he can't, he doesn't finish it. Yeah. Just a nightmare situation at the quarterback position for Miami, which does feel like it, it's, you know, going to, it's going to cause their like playoff See, You know, they're, they're still have a 46% chance to make the postseason according to 538, but um it feels like the Dolphins season is slipping away a little bit uh, because of the situation at quarterback. Yeah, that percentage doesn't feel right. <laughs> that feels <laughs> you know, very. Like, ge- that feels like uh, they think yeah. Tua is going to play in Week 18, which I, I don't know about that. Yeah, um, I, I I would say one of the biggest differences, um, and like they just weren't going downfield, right? Not a lot of not a lot of downfield stuff to to Hill to Waddle a weird number of targets for Raheem Mostert, who was great. Like the, the running backs play great. Um, heavy usage for both Wilson and Mostert. Um, both of them played a ton. Both of them saw a ton of touches, uh, 17 for Mostert and, uh, was it 18 for Wilson? Um, so they were both kind of a right answer if you needed a flex out of the Miami backfield, but, um, just not enough work for Tyreek and and certainly not enough work for Waddle. Uh, like all of a sudden Gasicki is involved. Like that's just like you have two absolute elite playmakers that that cannot be single covered. And um, they combined, you know, in Tyreek and Waddle for like a dozen targets, which is just not enough. Hill kind of saved his fantasy day, obviously, with a play that I guess is going to go down as a carry as a rush attempt. Um, it was real close to being a pass. That feels like a stat correction that could still be looming out there that could flip a, a fantasy matchup. Uh, right. Because that, that may have been a catch. I don't know. Um, but he did save his fantasy day with that. But you just got to find ways. Like, if they're not going to go downfield, that that should still be okay with Tyreek Hill. Like, you can ty- you can target Tyreek anywhere. You can, you can, you know, give him gimmicky touches. And he's just such an impossible problem. Um, he, he's just got to see the ball more than he, than he did. If you're going to be, you know, the, the highest and best version of that offense, whatever it is with, uh, with Thompson at the controls. Yeah, I, I agree. That was, uh, that was disappointing to see. It just, it's so difficult. You, you keep cycling quarterbacks in and out, like, especially mid game like that, that can always be challenging. Um, on the Patriots side of this, I mean, I guess you got to give them credit for 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 winning this game. Uh, again, just five thirty eight has them with a thirty one percent chance to make the playoffs. They're all battling for the seventh seed. These two teams are battling for the seventh seed, along with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we'll talk about later. Um, the Patriots have to go to Buffalo in Week eighteen. I mean, come on, I really, don't, I'm really not trying to see Mac Jones in the playoffs, and this not just Mac Jones, <laughs> this entire operation. I'm really not trying to see that. Um, the Dolphins will welcome the Jets. Uh, in week 18 and then the Steelers will welcome the Browns in week 18 so it's gonna be a fun one to see uh, how it plays out but yeah I mean 
I don't, I don't really know what to say about the Patriots anymore. Uh, I, I just hope that they don't. I don't want them to make the postseason because I don't want them to like. Oh, we could run it back with Mac, Matt Patricia as, as the right. offensive coordinator. Like, please, let's not allow that to happen. Yeah, I think the probably the biggest takeaway on the Patriots side, at least fantasy wise, is that uh, the Damian Harris return probably combined with some relatively disappointing games from Ramondre toward the end of the season, plus the injury that Ramondre is playing through. Um, that was a straight committee. Um, they, they almost, they almost perfectly split the snaps in this one. They almost perfectly split the touches. We were seeing Harris at the goal line again, right? Like that's a, that's a huge problem. If you had been banking on, like if you happen to have a fantasy title, in week 18, not recommended, but if you happen to, um, all of a sudden you have to think of Ramondre no longer as a, as a fringy RB one and more like, like down in the, especially against Buffalo, like down in the RB three territory, that's not particularly encouraging. Um, Tyquan Thornton had a game that was, that was pretty good. He found the end zone, could have had another touchdown. He was pretty impressive. It is obviously it's a Mac Jones led offense. So you're not expecting, you know, blow up performances from any of these receivers, but that's, Felt like kind of a standard issue Patriots uh, offensive attack, given the yeah. the context of this season. Right. It was a, it was a little bit ugly. It was a little bit committee ish in spots. Um, and uh, but but they end up getting it done. I like they're not going to be Buffalo next week, um, I wouldn't think. But Buffalo sometimes allows themselves into a close game that doesn't feel like it should be a close game. Um, but at least, you know, at least they've got something to play for. That's fun. Yeah, we haven't seen the Bills play, obviously, as we're taping this. So uh, that that remains to be seen there. Uh, let's move on to the next game here. Chiefs 27, Broncos 24. Broncos all, almost got the uh, we fired the head coach bump and, and upset Kansas yeah. City. Uh, but they ultimately did not get it done. Uh, what are your big takes from this game, Andy? Huh. Um, so Mahomes completed passes to 11 different receivers, including himself. Um, that was fun. Had one of those like batted pass situations that that he always super impressive. Yes. Love it. Uh, got a small gain out of um, Kadarius. Tony made a little bit of noise. Didn't play a whole. He's like, that's going to be the issue with Kadarius. Tony He's not on the field very much. Um, I don't even think he yeah. played 20 snaps, but four catches, 71 yards. And this is this is like one week after having, um, you know, scoring a touchdown again in limited usage. So he's, you know, you, you need somebody to play in a week 18 matchup where you think you're an underdog. He might be a little bit interesting. He's playing a little bit more. If he can get some of those McCole Hardman touches uh, near the goal line. Sky Moore got he, hurt in this game, too. So that can that opens up. Yeah. Uh, so we've got no Sky Moore. We have Hardman uh, having a, a setback in uh, in practices. So we're probably not going to see him the rest of the season. So that does open up a little bit of an opportunity for Tony. And, you know, I shouldn't need to tell people that when he's when he's healthy, he looks great. Uh, Jarek McKinnon kept it rolling. Uh, another guy who's actually not finishing with a lot of it's he's become he, maybe he shouldn't be hard to rank because he just scores two touchdowns every week. And maybe I should just pencil that in. <laughs> but he's not. Yeah, he's just not handling a lot of touches. Right. Like he doesn't he doesn't yeah. get that many carries. He is a huge part of what they do at the goal line. Um, and Mahomes is always looking out for him. And I should probably just accept that when the best quarterback on earth is looking out for a guy, I should I should probably rank that guy in the top 15 all the time. And yet I don't because he's not getting a ton of of touches. But he, of course, is doing the Damian Williams thing from a few years ago. And he's just fine in the end zone once or twice every week. So he was great. Um, that offense keeps humming. This is the second time in like a month that they've allowed Denver into an unnecessarily close game. Um, I don't I don't quite understand that. Like I was just talking about 
Buffalo playing some games that are unnecessarily close. Well, the Chiefs certainly do the same thing. That's kind of their that's almost their specialty. Um, but it was a it's a fun game for Mahomes. Um, again, it was a spread the wealth game on the Broncos side. Man, uh, Chase Edmonds played a little. That was not not that anybody's going to start Chase Edmonds or Latavius Murray necessarily in a you know week eighteen matchup. Um, but Chase Edmonds was obviously pretty involved in this one. The tight ends were super involved. Um, Albert O like absolutely resurrected. Um, almost forgot about that guy. Like preseason sleeper Albert O. Um, getting targets, finding the end zone. Um, they ran a lot of two tight end stuff. The receivers did almost nothing. <laughs> like another really couple boring fantasy lines from Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Um, so not much there. I, I, I guess the most exciting thing, if you uh, if you have any investment in the Broncos at all, is that Russell Wilson was a was a proactive runner. A couple of rushing touchdowns. Um, yeah. We we sort of came into this season worried that that element of his game was just gone. That he didn't want to do it anymore. That you know, maybe he'd aged out of that phase of his career, but he was a, he was a super effective and proactive runner in this one. And that was, you know, that's obviously good to see he scored a couple of touchdowns that way. Yeah. Um, hopefully that's something that again, I'm not trying to sit here and be like, Oh, the Broncos can fix Russell Wilson or whatever all off season. But, um, that's got to be a part of the solution going forward. Like he has to at least be a little more proactive doing that. It was nice to see um, guys like Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler like cape up for Russell Wilson on on Twitter, and yes. um, then Russell get emotional about that in the post game press conference. Um, you know, I don't love every aspect of the Russell Wilson experience. I think I've been pretty like pretty vocal about that. However, it's good to see that the team doesn't. You know, like the the narrative is wow, the locker room like hates Russell Wilson or all this stuff. Like. At least some of these receivers, you know, went to bat for him and it obviously meant a lot for him, which, you know, also maybe that leads you to if you really want to be tinfoil hat about it, like, OK, well, maybe it doesn't happen on a day to day basis. But I don't know. So whatever. Either way, the Broncos are careening towards a, a difficult offseason and the Chiefs, I think their defense is definitely a problem. Um, that's going to be an issue for them. But uh, it was cool to see Kadarius Tony step up a little bit, ran around on 33 percent of the dropbacks. I bet that would be higher. Uh, in week 18 their receiver core man I mean the, the Justin Watson thing he was out down to like 33 percent routes uh route participation uh so you know splitting with Kadarius Tony there what a weird receiver core uh this has been all year <laughs> really, long really so is. absolutely bizarre uh, I can't wait to see what the 2023 Chiefs uh receiver rotation looks like and if it's any less bizarre than this one uh speaking of bizarre we were all talking about the Houston Texans. I know I talk about them on this podcast a lot. Like, okay, hey, they're, they're out there flying around. They're hitting people. Well, the Jaguars beat them 31-3. to The Jaguars mostly got out of this thing in the second half. Uh, Travis Etienne's really the only one from a fantasy perspective who had, like, a big game because he was the only one that needed to have a big game here, basically. Yeah, and didn't even have to handle, like, a significant workload to do it, right? Um, goes over 100 yards on on minimal touches in this thing. Could have had a bigger day if he needed to, but we saw, like, a hasty touchdown. Um, Snoop found the end zone, right? Like, man, if you if you had started Trevor Lawrence, I did have a league in which I started Trevor Lawrence. I think I still eke out a win there, but I, I'd started Trevor Lawrence. Like, he didn't have to do much of anything in, in this thing. They just overwhelmed the Texans. Um, got everything they wanted to out of it. It was, um, they did have a choice coming into this game as to whether they were even going to roll out their, their regulars. They could have just saved all the bullets for the, for the Tennessee matchup, which is what Tennessee did. 
but it, they have this complicated situation where they do have technically a path to the playoffs. Um, as long as they won this game, they could still lose in week 18 and have like a six, eight, 10% chance, something like that of actually backing in. Um, so I appreciate that they, that they played their guys. It was moderately, it was moderately helpful to me. Houston needs everything except for, you know, they've, they've probably got Damian Pierce figured out and, uh, they have almost nothing else figured out, right? Like they need a total overhaul. They're definitely going to have the draft capital to do it. So it's going to be it's going to be real fun to see what Houston looks like next year. It is not at all fun to watch this version of the Texans. No, no, it is it is certainly not. And on that note, we shall quickly move away from this game here. Uh, Chargers thirty one, Rams ten. Um, let's start with the uh, Cam Akers here. Let's start on the losing side of things. I'm I'm really loving doing that right now. Uh, so Cam Akers. He's actually averaged uh, 4.9 yards per carry from week 13 on. He's run for 408 yards, six scores in it since the calendar turned to December. I, the we just talked about the Texans don't have a, a lot of things figured out. The Rams aren't quite in that bad of a situation, but they have certainly you know a lot of questions they need to ask themselves in the offseason. I think we can feel pretty good going into 2023, um, feeling like, okay, Cam Akers – is this team's featured back, and he's coming off a nice end of the season, which is pretty crazy considering this was a guy that they they sounded like they could not wait to bounce off the roster in, like, you know, early October. Right. Um, th- this is a guy who was allowed to leave the scene for a couple weeks <laughs> in the middle of the season, and now he's the best thing they've got going on offense. Um, like, some of the things that we haven't been seeing from, from Akers uh, in his comeback from injury, you think back to the playoffs last year, like, just... Not a lot of explosive plays. Well, he had a he had a carry that went for forty plus yards in, in this one. Yeah. Um, really looked great. There was there was also an opportunity here. I, I thought for him to have a uh, you know perhaps a long touchdown reception. Um, Baker Mayfield just missed him like a like a, a near connection yep. that wasn't. So as good as his day was, it could have been I don't know, it could have been like a hundred and eighty total yard day, right? It could have been it could have been a big one. Um, so very impressive finish to the season for makers. And I, I think you're right. That is that is maybe the one thing from the from the tail end of this season that they can really carry into 2023 and feel, well, I guess we're in 2023, aren't we? But they can really carry into next season and and feel spectacular about like he's 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 fixed, uh, I, I think, to a large extent, as long as he's healthy going into next year, he he now to me looks like that guy who had, you know, the signature game against Seattle in the playoffs. He looks like that guy who was like the best version of acres when they needed him most in the, in the postseason just a, just a couple years ago. So very impressive turn from him on the Chargers side. Um, hero game from Austin Eckler. He was great hero game Seriously. from Mike Williams who made insane catches, right? Like Eckler with his usual ho-hum two touchdown game happens all the time, but he had, <laughs> but he had one from like 70 yards out. That was awesome. Um, Chargers are playing really well and they're getting healthy defensively and they can have all their offensive playmakers back in there. They're frisky. They're, they're fun. Like yeah. the idea of the chargers pulling a playoff upset is not crazy. No, not at all. They can definitely be one of those like berserker wild card teams that comes in here and, yeah. and g- gets on a little bit of a run based on who they play, all that type of stuff. I mean, yeah, when they're healthy, it's it's pretty fun to watch. Uh, you know, I know Austin's going to be uh, he's going to be excited about actually having 122 yards on the ground, like a big rushing performance. Obviously, it comes on you know, one big play, but they ran the ball well uh, when they had opportunities here against the Rams defense that 
you know, at different times of the year, um, has been a great run defense. Obviously, they're, they're playing without Aaron Donald right now. That's a rather big X factor. But yeah, I know Austin will be excited uh, about that. And overall, yeah, Chargers are dangerous when they have all their guys healthy. And you know, the, Mike Williams that one catch was just absolutely insane. You know, he's not a guy who's who gets open at a rate that like you could just funnel. I, you know, funnel like ten targets a game to him or anything like that because they'd be really inefficient targets. But when 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 you when you can get him on one of those plays, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, really, just sort of satisfying to see Austin Eckler knowing his commitment to to the fantasy audience generally. Just, I don't know, seeing him have that week in in week seventeen when so many people needed it, and he'd you know he's he's been so uh, he he's been so generous with his time with uh, with fantasy managers and the fantasy community generally. It was just awesome to see, especially when there was like a a moment earlier in the week where it's like, is he not going to play in in right. Week- Right, you know, week seventeen. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool thing for him. I know we'll talk about that uh, early or later on in the week with him. Uh, Seahawks twenty three, Jets six. Uh, yeah, the 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 magic Mike White moment uh, was yeah. not there against this <laughs> team, against this team. And you know, the Jets have been eliminated from postseason contention. It, it's just, it's not an it's not a revelatory take here. But my God, they they just they they need to be laser focused on fixing the quarterback situation this offseason because man, there's just so much meat left on the bone with this offense right now in in some ways maybe this game did them a favor because they like it it would be really difficult to convince yourself that mike white is the future at quarterback um for this team coming off that game against that seattle defense um just a just a couple of misreads um some bad throws some just Missed a bunch of guys early on, on plays that didn't result in interceptions, you know, but just misfires. Um, just a really, really ugly game from Mike White. And, you know, credit to Mike White. He's playing through some serious stuff, like had had a pretty legit injury that I am I am yeah. confident is affecting his comfort level day to day all of the time. So, I, you know, it's uh, credit to him for going out there. But that was not a good game. Um, that was not a particularly competitive game. Um, the the backfield situation, too, got pretty murky because I want to say that Ty Johnson, if he didn't start the game, he took the first carry of the game for the Jets. Nobody had a day uh, on the ground yeah. against Seattle, which was a little bit surprising too, right? Um, Seattle, Seattle's a funny defense because they've had, you know, there there was a there was a moment in the middle of the season where you're like, oh, they figured some stuff out, and then they got, you know, they got clowned by the Niners. They've they've been clowned by a couple of other teams too, um, but then this was a this was obviously a very impressive performance. The, uh, the Jets offense, though, was just kind of a big clown car. Um, Garrett Wilson's Garrett Wilson's great, and he needs to find somebody who can consistently week in and week out maximize his talent. Um, it, they they have a lot of stuff to figure out, and they have clearly. They, I don't think that the answer at quarterback is on that roster. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, there's no. All right, well, maybe Mike White can compete with like a Gardner Minshew type if we sign him in free agency. No, none of that. Like, yeah, they need yeah. to find like. I, even if it's a Jimmy Garoppolo, even if it's a Derek Carr type, like they need to find someone that can be a real adult in the room, basically, for the quarterback position. And yeah, Seattle, they're a funny team. They still got a they still got a chance here as we enter the final week of the season. Not a big game from either of the receivers, but uh, that's fine. Uh, that that you're right though. That defense real tough to find the thread on them. Uh, for they're like different yeah. different chapters of the season. They've been different defenses, and and that's been hard to figure out. Uh, Kenneth Walker was awesome, by the way, I should say that I think his first, was it his first carry that went for like 60 yep. yards? Um, yeah, he was great. Like He's playing through some stuff too. Um, just a, a phenomenal performance from him, but it was like Kenneth Walker and the tight ends were the whole offense. Yeah. Pretty bizarre. All right. 
Giants 38, Colts 10. Nick Foles gets knocked out of this game. Uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau does the snowman right next to him. Uh, interesting choice by uh, by yeah. Kayvon there, but uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Nick Foles not going to play in week 18, by the way. They announced this morning that Sam Ellinger is going to start. Um, okay. I mean, the Colts are what they are. Michael Pittman, if he needed to play him at six catches and a touchdown, but um, not really interesting at all. Hey, you got anything on the Colts or who cares? It's kind of a who cares situation. It's uh, we. Sh- I mean, we should note that Zach Moss is the is is the running back, right? Like the Deion Jackson thing is totally over. It seems like he's kind of been leapfrogged by by Jordan Wilkins as the number two. But Moss is now like he's averaged the last three games. He's getting seventy five scrimmage yards. He's touching the ball seventeen times a game. Like he's the he's probably the guy that if you have to trust a Colt in a flex spot or something like that, Zach Moss, I guess, is the guy. Um, the Giants are the interesting team here, right? This was like a signature yes, game for Daniel Jones. He was phenomenal, phenomenal on the ground. Um, some great moments as a passer, even though he's, again, it bears repeating. That guy's that guy's working with Richie James and Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins. It's just not a, like, that's not the receiving core that anybody would want to be saddled with. And he looked he looked phenomenal in this one. Um, he was he was really great. I, I think there is a, I mean, I know Brian Dable said after the game that they're not going to rest starters. Um, they should probably rest starters. Like he <laughs> said, this morning, he sounded a little bit more like, "Yeah, we'll do what's best for the team." Uh, when talking about it, so and that and like coming off of the, you know, sometimes you say something in the heat of the moment coming off a game like that, like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna keep rolling" or whatever, and then you think about it, you know, twelve yeah. hours later or something like that, and you're like, "Ah, well, you know what? <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll rest starters." Yeah, um, Saquon Barkley can take the week off, right? Um, Daniel Jones can probably take the week yeah. off, and that's fine. There, I as I believe that they are locked into the six seed. There's, there's no, you know, there's no moving up, no moving down. It is a consequential game, right? It's a game that the Eagles are going to need, um, but the Giants can't concern themselves with that. The Giants just have to get, you know, the, they have to be as healthy as possible for the wild card round. And I wouldn't think that they would that they would trot out starters certainly for a full game in this one. I'm. It's, I, I hate ranking players for week 18, but I'm proud. Yeah. I'm proud. No matter what they say, I'm probably going to rank Saquon Barkley as if he's barely going to play. Yeah, I agree. And man, I mean, Barkley, 12 carries, 58 yards. It, never would have expected that if you told me they were going to beat the Colts uh, 38 to right. 10. Um, just an unfortunate like end to Barkley's fantasy season. Like I know people I like I know there are people out there and I know some of them personally that are like, damn it, Daniel Jones, 11 carries, 91 yards, two touchdowns. Like, that's the running performance. But still, obviously, a great season for Saquon Barkley, and I agree with you. He he could certainly and certainly deserves to take uh, the week off. Just on Daniel Jones real quick, because I do think it's interesting. Look, I, I you know totally publicly flogged myself in my Care Don't Care recap article about, like, I, I was wrong about Daniel Jones. You know, I, I 100% didn't buy any of the Daniel Jones stuff. Um, I, I thought Ty, I thought Tyrod Taylor was going to start games for this team. I, I know I've, I'm sure I said it on podcasts. I'm sure I tweeted about it. Uh, whatever. I, I, I know I, I know that's on my resume. So I take the L for that one. And, and you know, I, I rolled my eyes at every single like, look at what Brian Dayball did with Josh Allen when talking about Daniel yeah. Jones in the preseason. But um, I don't know that I think Daniel Jones is suddenly going to become the next Josh Allen. I'm, I'm still skeptical about that. But I absolutely think at this point, like the Giants have to figure out some sort of solution with Daniel Jones to bring him back and then surround him with guys who are not, no disrespect, Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins, you know, whatever, whatever in the receiver room. Like they got to come up with a plan at that position. And if they do, I am very intrigued. Um, 
by what Daniel Jones could be in this offense uh, for at least the next few years, even if he, I, even if I'm still skeptical that he's going to, you know, suddenly do a full Josh Allen. Yeah, I think to your point, he's certainly elevated himself to the to to such an extent that like you you wouldn't be you wouldn't be particularly interested in a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Derek Carr or some or like he like oh no he's yeah, at no. least at that tier of quarterback right like you don't need to you don't need to to reinvent things with just another sketchy QB. Um, I thought he was really impressive in this one. He had some had some really nice moments. I'm, I'm thinking of the touchdown pass. It was short, but the the touchdown pass to Richie James when when things were breaking down and it was a pretty messy pocket and there's bodies all around and he was he was calm and and just sort of you know sorted through the mail a little bit and found his guy and and like early career Daniel Jones they don't score on that play. Um, it's just it's it's nice to see a guy develop in this way and uh, I would understand complaining about Daniel Jones rushing contributions if you're if you're tied to Saquon Barkley but he looked awesome um the, like like he's the, these aren't like he, he should be running eight times a game um he's great at it right like it is a it is a it is a real part of his game and he's just he he's clearly playing with like a, a an assuredness that was just not part of his profile early in his career and it, that has been really fun to see all right, next game up here, Saints 20, Eagles 10. Um, my only big takeaway from this one is that Gardner Minshew, nice player, probably a decent backup quarterback. Uh, but and, and Devontae Smith has another huge game here, 113 yards. A.J. Brown, 97 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I don't care about any of that uh, because it's so clear that the Eagles offense really lacks the teeth. Um, that Jalen Hurts brings to the equation here. It's like Minshew's still too mistake prone and not good enough on the high end to uh, overcome yeah. those mistakes. Um, Jalen Hurts will play in week 18. Uh, that was announced this morning. And um, I mean, they need him. They need him if they want to keep the number one seed. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't really know if there are people out there who believe that uh, it was just the system or it's just the strength of the supporting cast. But that, you know, that is clearly not the case because Minshew's fine, um, but he threw a killer interception here and he's just not Jalen Hurts. Um, and this is not you know, we're not going to get the full expression of the, the Eagles offensive potential without Jalen Hurts behind center. Really tough game. If you at least you got the long touchdown to AJ Brown, if you had to start Minshew, if you had to start any of these guys, Brown got most of his yardage on like on a single play, but just a, 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 a brutal performance from the from the Eagles offense overall, and a lot of it was on the quarterback. Uh, yeah, and for the Saints, their season's over. They head to another. They head into another. <laughs> Off season where they'll have about a billion questions and no first round pick and no cap resources to figure them out. So uh, we'll see how they climb themselves out of that hole as they always do. Yeah, if I could just say on the Saints side, um, another pretty impressive game for uh, Rashid Shahid. Uh, oh, he can who, play. He can play. Let me tell you, that guys, play. that guy's fast. Like I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know that I've seen a forty time on him. But whatever it is, it like it fully translates to game speed. That guy's a burner and he caught all six of his targets again, had a big play, has a big play every week. Um, and I think I think early in the season, I, you know, you just do this dumb thing where you you try to find comps in your head for like players who used to be on that team. Right. I was thinking of him as like a Devery Henderson type or something like that. But he's, yep. he's probably more than that. He's probably a little better than that. Um, he was yep. good. Um, this is a great game from him. I think he has a chance to, I said this on another one of my shows, he has a chance to go down the like 
potential like John Brown, T.Y. Hilton access of yeah. wide receivers. I think he's and yeah. look, the people out there know I love John Brown. So for me to say that, that's a, that means a lot coming from me. Okay, let me just put <laughs> it that way with the Rashid Shahid thing. So yeah, no, he's a guy to definitely watch and track in the offseason. And you know, they might not have to like full on remake the receiver position around Chris Olave because I think he can uh give them something there. Next game up, I, I could see it in Andy's eyes. He doesn't want to spend more than like two seconds talking about this game. Neither do I. Falcons 20 Cardinals 19 Andy we got David Blau you know starting for the Cardinals here what is there really to say on that on their side except that uh James Conner gets hurt in this game which of course James Conner got hurt in this game they were playing him like 92 percent of the snap yes you know absolutely (laughs) absurd um and then obviously but there are some long-term takeaways from the from from the Falcons but uh yeah this game happened yeah (laughs) this game did happen can confirm um, probably the best thing on the on the Cardinals side is uh, Trey McBride showed up, ten targets, found the end zone. Not a particularly impressive touchdown. It was a bit of a face plant of a touchdown. But um, it, like even listening to the to the broadcast team, they made reference to David Blau really talking up Trey McBride earlier in the week. And he, oh like, wow, he's a really talented young tight end. So um, to see him get ten targets in this one, even though that required you know Hopkins out, Ertz out, everybody out, everybody hurt, more out. It, it was nice to see him involved and nice to see what it can look like when he's involved. Um, Tyler Algier was great. Cordero Patterson was great again. He handled a, a pretty significant receiving workload. That was good to see. Um, that, that's about all I have on this one. Desmond Ritter was fine in a game managey sort of way, um, but I don't know that we've really learned anything about Desmond Ritter yet. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we have either. I think we've learned that the Falcons should probably think about um fixing that quarterback position uh, yeah. in the offseason if they'd like to take the next step as an offense they certainly need more out of that Tyler Algier though fun fi- I mean it is worth saying just fun finish to the season for him and, and again maybe he's done enough for them to not spend like a third round pick on a running back and potentially ruin his you know uh, we talked about that with, with Marvin on the on the uh, preview show Marvin Eloquent and you know it's just the danger with these day three running backs like they can get uh, usurped by somebody uh, at any point but I think he's done enough to potentially look like the starting back next year but we shall see let uh, Let's move on. Browns 24, Commanders 10. I mean, (sighs) Carson Wentz. Come on. I mean, why? 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 Why do we have to go? Like, I get it. I'm not here to cape for Heineke. But, you know, Ron Rivera is like, we, you know, they're turning the ball. Like, Heineke's turning the ball over too much. Like, well, all right, so we're going to go back to Carson Wentz, known known protector of the football, Carson <laughs> Wentz. Um, and it it definitely cost them the season. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about, like, you know, the, the controversy of did Rivera know they could get eliminated? Uh, number one, he knows if they win the game, they keep it moving. That, so that's what really matters. I don't care about that stuff really at all. But I do care about the fact that, like, I think this was a – I mean, the, the move for Carson Wentz from the beginning was fraught, obviously. And now – the guy is his play in this game pretty much alone uh, has cost them the, the what's left of their season. So that's a shame. Yeah. The interceptions were miserable. Um, He, he just had a brutal game, like weird, weird scene during this game when Jonathan Allen got hurt and like the crowd is cheering for Heineke to enter the game and the players are trying to silence the crowd, right? Like just a, just bad energy all around surrounding this team in basically all aspects. Um, and yeah, Wentz, Wentz was just an absolute disaster. Um, finishes off their season. They started 
Jonathan Williams in this game, by the way, at running back. I think he started. He he definitely took the opening series. Um, and then they leaned on Brian Robinson throughout, and he was pretty ineffective. Just, just there's there's literally nothing good I can, I can say on the Washington side that came out of this game. No, I had talked myself into the idea that you know um, some some targets and some touches, maybe some backfield touches. We're gonna we're gonna uh, head back toward Curtis Samuel. That didn't happen. He wasn't involved at all. Um, nobody got anything going. Um, and and Wentz was was just an absolute train wreck at the worst possible moment. So uh, they need a they need a pretty full reset. Yeah, they they really do. I mean, it's just God, it's it's rough. Uh, on the Cleveland side of it, yeah, I mean, it was it was nice to see, um, you know, Deshaun Watson definitely un- uncorked the ball a little bit to Amari Cooper, and and I say it was nice to see on the Cooper side of it because I still think that Cooper is sort of sort of like a weird misunderstood player. Um, I, I actually think he's really good in yak situations. I think he's really good in the vertical game. So it was good to see Cooper um shine in that moment here in this game because I wasn't really expecting it. Good, good end of the season uh, for Amari Cooper there, who's obviously a player that they can build around. But uh, Cleveland obviously is you know, walking off, is coming off a disappointing season. A lot of chaos there. We'll see what they do in the offseason. So let's move to the final game here. And I put this, I wanted to leave this game, Sunday Night Football, for the last part of it because it is an ugly game for sure. 16 Steelers, 13 Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are the definition of ugly right now, Andy. I mean, it's just. <laughs> They're 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 ugly, but I feel like, and we'll say we could save them for here for a second because I want to talk about the the Steelers that you know they've somehow in this mess of a year, you know, a year with what were they like two and two and six, two and eight at one point? I mean, they they looked like they were DOA. Uh, did the Pittsburgh Steelers? They still have a chance to make the postseason, nineteen percent chance uh, to make the postseason according to five thirty eight, and I think if you squint at it. And honestly, I don't even think I actually I take it back. I don't even think you need to squint at it. I think if you just look at what Kenny Pickett's done the last two games in end of game situations, the way that Najee Harris, who looked like at one point he was going to be the worst pick in in fantasy, yes, has yeah. sort of re- returned his season to normalcy. And they also have like a capable sidekick in Jalen Warren. Um, we know the receivers are good. I think if they if they change the offensive coordinator and they have, I mean they they have to get a different offensive coordinator in here. They can't have Kenny Pickett running this goofball offense another year. I think it, it, there's a lot of like reason to be optimistic for the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Yeah, um, that it starts with what what you just said, which is not having Matt Canada like attached to this team next year. Because like you, on the one hand, you want to give Mike Tomlin a lot of credit for holding all this together and and sort of guiding this. It, it's almost like a controlled crash landing of a season for that team all year. Yeah. But I mean, how do you not also put the the, the OC uh, like that's that goes on Mike Tomlin's account too? And yeah, that this offense has just been a brutal watch. I, with reference to Najee Harris, um, we do have to remember that part of his story all season was that the the foot injury in the preseason yep. that obviously carried into the regular season, right? And he was he's just visibly not been the same guy that he was last year, and I think a lot of that was was playing through injury, which is as we've as we've discussed at various points um that that gets a guy like guys earn a lot of credit within a locker room for that and they take a lot of heat from fans and from fantasy players and from everyone else when they play through an injury and they are not at their at their you know normal capacity and and not functioning as they normally would so uh it's nice to see Najee finish the season really strong yeah i will note that it was another game in which uh 
George Pickens made a highlight catch and saw only four targets. I'm I'm fully <laughs> sick of that. <laughs> like I don't I don't understand why every catch that George Pickens makes has to be like a degree of difficulty. Oh my God, did you see that um, sort of play? Like I w- I would like to see an offensive coordinator come into this team and say, Hey, let's let's get him some easy stuff too, and let's make sure yeah. that he is involved in every quarter of a football game instead of you know only periodically when we absolutely positively. It'd be nice if he was running yards. you know a normal amount of go routes and instead yes. of just like I mean it's both it's him and and Deontay Johnson both like. It's just hitches and go routes, hitches and and deep outs. Like it's it's the I've said I've said it a lot. It's the worst designed offense in the NFL. It you know, truly is. I, and there, there's there are other bad offenses out there, but I'm talking about like what you walk into game day with, what you walk into Sunday or Thursday or Monday or whatever. It's the worst. It's the worst designed and put together unit. That's especially a good way to put for, it. It's like they come into games with a with a plan to get themselves to like eighteen points if they max out, right? <laughs> like there's just no. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I like the way you frame it. And Pickett deserves a lot. I think Pickett still could be better um, working in rhythm. I think he could still be better about certain parts of it. But like you could criticize and poke holes and pick nits at every rookie quarterback. Yeah. But what he's given them off schedule, off script. Um, yeah, of course, the offense comes alive when the, they get off the stupid script, right? Which because the script sucks. Uh, so <laughs> the improv acting is much better than whatever the the writers' room has come up with here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But yeah, I do think I do think Mike Tomlin deserves an absurd amount of credit for um getting this team this group into this moment um i think he's look tomlin's obviously not perfect as a coach either, nobody is but he he's certainly uh like from a culture perspective and what he brings yeah. um from a player development standpoint is is really is great to see so i think it's a credit to the steelers and i mean the ravens man i just i do not care about this team uh, I, I barely care about this team if lamar jackson plays i do not care about them if he is not on the field for them mark andrews has 100 uh yards in this game that was 77 percent of uh <laughs> tyler huntley's total yardage and jk dobbins the run game is is good like the run game jk dobbins played well gus edwards didn't do much in this game but he has played well for them they're yeah. so far away from that like dusty crew of backs that was operating for this team you know like about a year ago they've come a long way as a rushing attack but they feel like they feel like they are lifetimes away from being a good passing offense did any andy andy did anybody out there even like i bleed purple and black like ravens fan did anybody believe that tyler huntley was gonna like mount a drive there at the end of that game to put to even get justin tucker in field goal range to tie it no, certainly not. They they completed two passes to wide receivers. Um, that is that is stunning. That uh, like of Huntley's hundred and thirty passing yards, a hundred went to Mark Andrews. That's pretty wild. That's just not a. That's just that's so high school, right? <laughs> like we have one dominant player. Um, that's just that's just not an NFL stat. Um, that is that is pretty unbelievable. Yeah, one completion to Deshaun Jackson, one completion to Demarcus Robinson. That's it for the wide receivers on the day. Uh, everything else was either likely or uh, or Mark Andrews. Just not a legitimate offense. Two teams that are neither of them legitimate offenses right now. And I don't know how much better it can get with Lamar because they have so few weapons now. Yeah, I just don't I don't know what they're going to look like in the postseason. And the Lamar stuff is kind of weird. There's a lot of weirdness with the Ravens right now, but uh, they have taken up too much of our time here. I have certainly uh, <laughs> taken up too much of Andy Barron's time uh, while he's Never. in sunny Florida. So 
Um, Andy, I appreciate you uh, joining me here for the week 18 or week 17. I'm, I'm wish casting week 17 <laughs> recap podcast. No, this is a blast. I don't usually get to do the the recap podcast, but this is, this is fun stuff. Oh, I, I've said many times and I'm going fi- to I promise you, Andy, my 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 promise to you, my New Year's resolution to you and to you alone <laughs> Is I'm gonna figure something out next year where we don't just have you talking about the worst players in football uh, every Monday morning <laughs> with the waiver with the waiver recap. Okay, we're, I, I've I've tried to tweak it middle of the year. Like, all right, I'm just gonna cram in every moderately relevant news story at the beginning of the of the waiver podcast so that Andy doesn't have to spend a full 45 minutes just talking about. Here's why Richie James, who Richie James, awesome game, awesome <laughs> that was call, the name call I was by Dalton Bell. All right, yeah. let me give you 20 awesome minutes on Dalton, Zach Moss. By the way, but yeah. yeah, yeah, here's 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 why Deion Jackson will totally not be a complete disappointment to you. <laughs> I promise you, Andy. I'll be figure something out for 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 next football season where that is not your primary job on this show is to tell us why the worst players in football might be able to give you 10 PPR points. I appreciate you, sir. <laughs> I appreciate you, uh, and I appreciate everybody out there uh, for listening. 600 episodes of the podcast. That's a lot feels like we've had 600 different iterations of the podcast throughout each of those 600 episodes but i feel like we've got a pretty good thing going here right now so i hope you all uh keep it rocking with us for the 2023 calendar year as your fantasy season wraps up though don't don't number one don't go anywhere okay this this podcast is going to be doing a lot more than just uh mock drafting 500 times in the off season i can i can promise you that <laughs> but you do need to remember these important words you don't have to get ready if you stay ready, and you need to stay ready for next year's fantasy drafts by following at Andy Barons on Twitter. You can also follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And of course, if you're not following at Yahoo Fantasy, what the hell are you doing with your life? We're going to put out episodes of the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast all season long, so make sure you have subscribed if you haven't already. And please rate and review the podcast on your favorite platform of choice. We read those. Um, I normally read them, you know, crying alone uh, with a bottle of wine uh, at about <laughs> 10 p.m. on a Wednesday. But uh, so make sure they're nice and make sure they're five star reviews, baby. Uh, please. We read those. We want your feedback. Uh, you can direct those all to me personally. If they, if you have bad feedback, especially just direct it to me personally and don't rate and review the podcast. Just completely forget you ever listened to this <laughs> podcast. Come back tomorrow to find out how good Austin Eckler is feeling after a big win over the Rams on another episode of Eckler's Edge. Until then. We're out. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.